In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. I mean, I I didn't, part of me wants to start today talking about clothing of the 80s and what you remember about it, but I feel like we're going to talk quite a lot about that. Oh, we have to, we have the, to set aside a good like three hours. Yeah, <laughs> in the main body of today's episode. So I don't, I felt like I shouldn't like lead off with that. So I guess my next question is... We're both children of divorce, and... Oh, God. Yes. How... I mean, I know the answer to this, but, like... (laughs) How enthusiastic do you think you would be... Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. either of our parents met someone and then was married to them within 24 hours... Oh, that's not even as like disturbing as I thought you were going to go. Um, I would have been. I mean, Amy, this is meant to be a light, fun show. I don't know what you were like. I know. Oh, no, no, no. I thought you were going to go for like a specific scene where I was like, that's her reaction. Um, (laughs) But, um, oh, I would have been at this. Okay, the girl in this movie was supposed to be 13. Mm -hmm. At that age. Our mother did date people, and, you know, so did our dad, I think. Yeah. I honestly don't know. And I would have been livid. <laughs> I would have been absolutely the worst. Like, I would have been a nightmare. Yes. I would have been, I don't even know what I would have done. I certainly I would have wouldn't have like, joyfully attended the wedding ceremony. I think I would have been, like, a tornado <laughs> of, like... <laughs> I feel like I would like have had an actual like major... Tasmanian devil like rolling yeah. through. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I think I would have like been throwing things. Like I don't like. I'm really not sure. I know. I because like it would have been bad. Because here's the thing, and listeners, you're going to be surprised that I'm saying this, and then based on what we talk about later, that this is my like hill that I'm dying on. Most <laughs> most unbelievable part of this movie. The daughter's reaction to everything. Like, yeah. By far. Yeah, kind of. The most Actually, fantastic. Everybody's reaction. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it's kind of everybody's mm-hmm. reaction. But yes, definitely hers. And <laughs> I mean, we'll get there because it was there was a very specific reaction she had to her dad. Uh, it, like, it was almost disturbing, really. Like, I'll just say it now, because yeah. whatever he brings a woman home 
and she sleeps over. Yep. The woman comes down the next morning in a robe, and he's like, she slept over. He says this to his 13-year-old I daughter. I know. She's old. She's clearly old enough to know what that means, obviously. Yep. And she's so excited for him, she, like, gives him a kiss on the face and is like, Ooh, yay, bye, gotta go to school. So weird. <laughs> I know, I know. Now, in fairness, the as we'll discover, the premise here is that he's a widower, not a divorcee. Yeah. But even yeah. then, I, I, I just think- don't understand this behavior. Me neither. And maybe I'm like a less evolved person and maybe I was less evolved when I was 13. I mean, That's for I sure. don't think you need to say maybe about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean less evolved than this child oh, in this movie, sure, I guess. sure, sure, sure. Okay. But I think, I honestly feel like, oh God, it's so weird. And like, I, oh, I don't even know. And maybe it's a difference because she's a girl and it's her father. It's not her mother. So maybe I don't know. I don't know either. Like, cause I just, I our obviously our experience was not a widower situation, but I feel like that would make it almost more traumatic because it's like fully replacing Your that dead person. Mom. That person <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's that was unbelievable. I love me some Allison Hannigan, and I think she was. I think she was great. But yeah, I didn't. That was. I would have. <laughs> reacted wildly differently I mean you're right that in the context of all of these performances she's no more nuts than anybody else um it was how she was directed it wasn't like her fault it was clearly like how it was written and supposed to be done and I also feel like this is why like our parents who did get divorces and stuff like didn't know how to handle anything because they were told this bullshit stuff of like yeah your kid will be so jazzed to like well I think that yeah well what's there's another movie that I've watched I can't remember what it is where they're like would do you think your kids would rather you be in the next room on the verge of suicide or in like Hawaii in ecstasy and the answer is they would rather you be in the next room on the verge of suicide yes kids don't really care no. about their parents happiness no. generally and like frankly that sounds harsh but I think that it's real no and frankly that's the deal you struck the relationship is unidirectional like parents yep are the ones who chose to have kids and then they need to care for kids and and I think I'm I'm no child psychologist, um, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I am. But I'm pretty sure that like it's actually like a developmental part of your life as the child to be like I don't give a shit. I don't care. You know, like uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's called teenage, and I hate but you, like, and like you know all yeah. that stuff. That's a part of differentiating your psyche from your parents, and that's how. It, but anyway, like, and yeah, no, I, I mean, I, and the thing is, I do believe there are probably are some children out there who may behave like this or who may feel that way. I, 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 maybe that's only to like, maybe I say that just because I know I was not that way. So yeah, I don't like to think that I'm the only one who was that selfish. <laughs> But like, but I remember I was completely selfish. I didn't give a fuck no. if mom was happy or whatever. No, I did not care. That was not the point. No. Um, I mean, I stand by everything that I did, I'll be <laughs> honest. But 
<laughs> but I was not nice. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. So this is a real interesting tie-in or like lead up <laughs> to what we're going to be discussing today. So welcome everyone to see you next week in space. I am Sarah Walsh and I'm here with my sister and co-host Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you tell everyone what we are going to be talking about today? Well, we're talking about a movie from 1988 called My Stepmother is an Alien. And the fact that this movie was PG-13 is wild. I know. I I even thought that was like kind of a weird one. But I remembered... I mean, I guess nothing happens like exactly. No, it is but... generally pretty clean, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things. But there's, there's a, lot a lot of, of suggestions of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then as well, like, um, I was remembering, too, that PG-13 was kind of a new category. Oh, was it? Yeah, it got introduced, I think, in the late 70s, early 80s. I can't remember for sure. And, oh. um, like... <sighs> I think what was weird about, I mean, I think it technically still exists as a category. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it does. <clears throat> but I think, like, at the time, the reason it was there was, like, you know, there was, like, stuff like the black hole, like we've talked about, which was, like, kind of PG because it's, like, slightly more intense or something. And then yeah. there was, you know, like, legitimate serious adult stuff like The Godfather and yeah. and then people were like, well, like, where do we put things like porkies and meatballs yeah. and like these dumb ass shit things? And so <laughs> they came up with PG thirteen, which of course means for if there are any uh, international listeners, and there may be two, um, that means parental guidance. There may be two, like two people. Yes, or two, two people. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, it stands... Oh, I thought it was interviewment. There may be as well. Yes. But anyway, continue. Uh, PG-13 means parental guidance for anyone under 13 who might be considering watching this movie. Um, and it also, I think the um, categorization comes... They can say fuck one time in oh, the movie yeah. and that's it. I think, yeah, I think something like something that. Something like that. Um, so... Like, and I think actually because it was sort of a new category, the 80s really and early 90s sees like a lot of weird stuff falling yeah. into that category. And this is one of uh. those because I don't think it's an R movie. Like it certainly doesn't no. seem like that. But it does seem surprisingly racy in well, some and I parts. Think maybe, like, well, and I th feel like that was like the 80s in general, for sure. right? Like, yeah. So... My Stepmother, the Alien, as we've now discussed, is a PG-13. And this, I thought, was really nuts. Um, apparently, it was originally conceived as a drama movie. And specifically that it was going to be... I mean, I guess it was a drama, but still with the alien part in it. Um, uh-huh, okay. And, that, and so that was going to be, like, this way to discuss child abuse allegorically. Whoa. Yeah, I read that, and I was like what is going on i'm glad they changed it well that is what's weird because I, I don't think that that's a bad idea for a movie per se but i feel like uh there's a different route right you could go there well and <laughs> i think what's really funny about this is so then paramount reads this original screenplay and it's like you know what 
This whole thing is more believable as a comedy. This thing you wrote as a drama, comedy. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow. Well, because, the, well, yeah, because, I mean, the thing about, I, I mean, I feel like I know exactly why, because alien stuff generally is done as a comedy because there's so much we don't actually know about it. Sure. And because, like, they want to do the gags. Like, and the thing that's fun about an alien movie, clearly in this one, I think, you know, they want to give her the gags. They oh, she do, does like, all of the quintessential, like, I don't know how to pronounce things. I don't know what's food and what really is. really fast. And, like, like yeah. yeah, like eating batteries, like all of it. Like, Oh, um, folks, she does do. eat lots of batteries. That's her favorite thing to do. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> um, and there isn't much, like, backstory here in terms of, like, the production or casting or anything, but unsurprisingly probably just based on the title alone um my stepmother is an alien was a box office failure um it had a budget of 19 million dollars for the movie 7 million spent on marketing and it made i know i mean that's the thing is like i remember seeing the posters for this and stuff. Really? Yes. I mean, well, and that's the difference. It's like 88, like I was seven, you were three. So. Yeah, I don't remember the marketing. Um, <laughs> you know, so I remember, I have, like I said, I think this was last week or sometime recently where I was like, I remember the cover of that videotape, you know, like. Huh. So, so I just remember this. Um, but it only made just under $14 million. So really hmm. very much not anybody's thing. Um, and that remains true because it only has a 19% on Rotten Tomatoes today. I saw that. That's pretty bad. And I mean, that's funny too, because the thing about it is like at the time I get it, like if in 1988 it had that, but now I feel like it could be received in a more kind of loving way well, as a look back. Maybe it is. Um, I mean, I didn't, I'll say this, uh, I won't yet say whether I liked this movie or not, but I it wasn't painful to watch. Like, no, and the guess what? A lot of the stuff we watch is painful for me, and I will say <laughs> right at the top, it wasn't painful for me. Um. So and, and and more to the point, it has really good people in it. Um, yeah. Which I think is part of why it works better than if just like anybody had been in this movie. Yeah. Um, so we don't actually need to talk about the cast too, too much because these are all people you absolutely know who they are and have seen them in a bunch of yeah. stuff. Um, but the primary protagonist is a character called Dr. Stephen Mills, and that's played by a youthful 36-year-old Dan Aykroyd, which you were <sighs> saying made you very angry that he's your same age. <laughs> it really, it really does. Like, it just makes me, it just feels like an attack. Like, like how so? Like, because Dan Aykroyd is, like, dad age. And, ah. like, he's always been dad age. And he's always been kind of, like, dad age and frumpy. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's not even, like, cute dad. No offense, Dan Aykroyd. Sorry. But, like, he's frumpy dad. Right. And the fact that he's my age in this, like, it re- that bums me the hell out. I'm not going to lie. And we'll get to another one of the actors in it, that the fact that he's five years younger than me bums me out even more. Fair enough. And then as well, 
I mean, I guess for me, what's more interesting about that is like, so he's 36 and in this movie, his daughter is supposed to be 14, uh, 13 years old. And oh, I didn't even like, so, think about that. you know, so then it's like he had his kid when he was 23 and I'm like, wow, like, and, and back, I think that was more normal it back was. then though. It, we've talked about this before where like this, and also it's movies and movies like the parent to child age is usually a little bit skewed in various ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. in comparison to and real life. And he maybe life. wasn't supposed to be 36 exactly yeah. in the movie. Yeah, but, um, it, it is true that at that time it was much more normal to have your first kid like in your early to mid twenties. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And so that, but, but as a 40 year old woman today who still feels like she's not old enough to have children and shouldn't be allowed yeah. to, <laughs> uh, it's yeah. just weird to think of. Um, totally. I also just wanted to say that one of the things that I think perhaps drew Dan Aykroyd to doing this, um, is that he himself has always been a real, um, like, major player in the paranormal investigation yeah. and aliens and all that kind of jazz. Um, he's, he's very believable as it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's I, like I always that been into thing. that. And so yeah. I think probably for him, this had an appeal in that way as well. Um, it was how long after Ghostbusters came out in 1984? Yeah, five? I think that's right. 84. So he's, yeah. he's a big star. Like he's a big star yeah. by this time. Um, Next, we have a character called Celeste Martin. I don't know where she gets that last name, but whatever. Um, and that is played by Kim Basinger, who is 35. So this is one of our most age-appropriate couples we've ever had yeah. on the show. We've ever had. Um, and in Hollywood, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, uh, Kim Basinger, I think most people know who she is. Um it very of the moment she was married to Alec Baldwin for a while and boy oh boy is he having a rough week this week yeah um but so she moved from modeling into acting um and this was actually one of her first um forays into acting oh really uh, like oh, so she what a weird one <laughs> i know well cuz i was looking I like I knew she had been in Batman and Cool World and all those things, um, mm. but Cool World, Cool World is nuts. Um, it's like I don't even know what that is. It's kind of like a darker Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, I don't think I want to see. No, that. it's actually very bad. Um, <laughs> I watched it sometime in pandemic times because I was just oh. that bored and willing to take anything. Uh, um, yeah, but so like up. Up until this particular movie, she had been a Bond girl in Never Say Never mm. Again. And she had been in the very, like, um, talk about Wait, lots hold of- on. <laughs> there's, sorry. There's, a, there's a Bond movie called Never Say Never Again. Yes. That's okay. I think... That's when you know you've made too many movies. <laughs> uh, I forget which Bond that is at that point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, she was also in the extremely sexy Nine and a Half Weeks um, and then this one, and then Batman. So, like, this is pretty, she's still kind of on the upswing, hmm. but she was pretty famous nonetheless by this yeah. point. Um, and she goes through kind of, uh, peaks and valleys with her acting career. Um, mm -hmm. 
The next character is the brother of Stephen Mills, Ron Mills, played by the other person who sent you into a rage, John Lovett, mm-hmm. who was 31. Um, that, that makes me so angry, I can't even tell you. Like, <laughs> because it, he's because also supposed to be a schlumpy dad. He's also supposed to be perma-old, and the fact that like <laughs> he is 31 makes me really mad. Like... <sighs> Well, and especially, and I, don't know if it, and I don't know if it should make me mad because he looks the goddamn same. Oh, he totally looks like, exactly as schlumpy as he ever was. And I just literally watched a like right before we started recording. I was watching an episode of Seinfeld that he was in, and he looks exactly the same. Yes, but like, oh, it makes me mad that he's here's 31. here's what I'll say. It. I will say this: like in this movie, his character is like constantly hitting on women and talking about women and like trying to meet women. And that was weird to me, because he... Well, that's, like, kind of always his character, though, I feel like. Is it? A little bit. He always kind of plays, like, a creep. I mean, well, no, yes, I he always, plays I a mean creep. this movie, and I mean... League of Their Own. League of Their Own. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he plays a creep, but, uh, like, he doesn't necessarily always play someone... Like, to me, what was weird is, like, so he's early 30s, and it's exactly right that men in their early 30s are often on the prowl looking for women. <laughs> like, that makes total sense. I mean, that's believable, um, I guess. But but it just, so something about that to me seemed weird. And maybe that's also because I think of him as more of a dad energy of some <sighs> persuasion. Well, well, and also there's, like, I'm going to just say it, and, like, maybe it's not PC to, like, mention somebody's looks, but <laughs> here we go. Like, he's not attractive. Like, Not to sorry. us. Fine. That okay, we can be nice and say that. But um, if a woman in a movie who was quote unquote the same amount of attractive as him, oh, I guess. Yes. If she was yes. going around talking about like getting guys and like it like they, it wouldn't happen. Correct. Like although we don't know that it happens for him in this movie. He just talks about it. All. No, I know. He talks about it. Yeah. But even anyway, that's sort of my like issue with like him as a character of that type it's like it's just that it would never happen in the reverse that's all and the fact that he's 31 again feels (laughs) like an attack on me personally (laughs) okay um well then we have steven's daughter jesse mills played by allison hannigan i think this is an introducing allison hannigan moment if i remember correctly um i would think because she was only 14 uh, when yeah. this came out, and that also made me realize that she's actually quite a bit older than she's forty seven. I, I looked because, yeah. Um, oh yeah, I have in my notes. This is her first movie and second IMDb credit. So yeah, this is an introducing okay. Allison Hannigan situation. Um, and she probably well, they've all had good careers, but she definitely has had a really good one, kind of straight from the start. Um, yeah. And I also really liked that she appears with Seth Green briefly in this movie. Is, is that Seth Green? Yes. Who plays her, like, little boyfriend yes, for a second? Yes, it is. I wasn't sure. I Oh, that's so funny. I knew I recognized him, but I wasn't positive if it was him or some other random yeah, kid. No, oh, that's so funny. It's him. And so because they were a pair in Buffy later, I especially <gasps> Oh, my God. That. That's hilarious. Yeah. I forgot that he was in Buffy. Yeah, he was there for some amount of seasons. I can't remember for sure. Um, But yeah, so I'll say that probably 
her career is mostly TV oriented, but she's also, you know, had her main success. American Pie. The American Pie franchise, for sure. Yeah. And then the final person or character we need to know is one. Oh my God. That will <laughs> I didn't be even read this. Called Bag. <laughs> um. <laughs> Oh my God, my dream role. Yes. Uh, and this is played by a woman or voiced by a woman named Anne Prentice, uh, who was 49 when this movie came out. Now, again, as I often learn, it is really worthwhile to look at the biographies of people. Um, and she, this is, we run across this every so often, someone whose life just fucking goes nuts. Uh, and I don't really know much more than this. But so, um, her brother-in-law is the director of this movie, Richard Benjamin. Okay. And for some reason, um, years after this movie came out, Anne Prentice was sent to jail for assaulting her own father, like, beating him up or something. I don't know. And, and... While in jail, she tried to hire a fellow convict to kill her brother-in-law, director of this movie, Richard Benjamin. Um, Whoa, she's kind of (laughs) cool. That is not the reaction I would have expected. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That was a joke. Um, Joking. But but I guess it's like life imitates art. Like life imitates art imitates life because bag is fucking homicidal. In this movie. Well, Bag... (laughs) Well, Bag has just, like, a very, um... Specific, like... Bag is very goal-oriented, right? And, like... Good way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) And doesn't have a lot of... Doesn't put a lot of emotion into things. It's like, this is what we're doing. La, la, la. Right. Um, Also, quick cue. Um, for the purposes of discussing bag what kind of pronouns would you ascribe to them uh like female ones well i mean i guess it was voiced by a female it is it is a so it's voiced by a female so i think we could probably use female pronouns or we can use they i feel like every time just there's something that to me I'm like bags a she bags a real yeah she. she's kind of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> uh so I I was just curious because I was like I don't and especially because I mean there are some questions we could ask about like what this world is because like why do some people look like humans and some people look like bag it's confusing. And, and like, also, I mean, I think another reason why we could call Bag um, a female is that we see wherever they're supposed to be from, Bag and Stepmom, like, the, like, older council or, like, the people in charge actually are, like, three old white dudes. Yeah. So they, like, send the women to do the dirty work <laughs> of, like, true. actually doing this stuff. And then they just, like, sit in the sky and say bullshit. Um, so it's pretty accurate to life. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, but, yeah, so her life was nuts. And Wow, that's dark. Um, yep. And uh, this was her last credit. 
Um, Oof. <clears throat> so, anyway, uh, she lives on in this movie. Oof. Uh, so, the movie opens to just seeing different spacey images. Um, and this right away, from the start, tells us that this isn't your average uh, alien movie because the song Kiss, popularized by Prince, is being sung this time by Tom Jones. Um, Why wouldn't they use the Prince version? I bet Prince was like, uh, no. No fucking way. <laughs> um, so you're like, ooh, okay, so the, something, something's going on here. We'll see what's what. <laughs> and so then we slowly, like, zoom down to arrive at an office building. And I want to say, I didn't super pay attention, but I think this is supposed to be SETI which is like an actual organization. Hold on, I'm going to look it up so I say it correctly. Yeah, SETI Institute. Um, the SETI Institute is an organization that's dedicated to trying to find life on other planets. Um, and it is a real thing. It is a real thing. It's spelled S-E-T-I SETI. Does it stand for something? Did you say what it says? No, I'm for? looking for that now. Oh. Oh, Search for extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial Intelligence, SETI. Okay. Um, so I, I've, I can't remember, but at one point I could have sworn that Dan Aykroyd said he was working for SETI. But they're working for some kind that of thing sense. akin to that. Um, yeah. And it's a stormy night. Lightning is coming. Rain's coming down. Ron drives up to the office building um, in his Rolls Royce. What is his job? It is like, unclear. I, I just, I'm just realizing. I'm just realizing because there's another part where he's like, "Oh my god, we have to talk about also like the interiors, the oh, 80s interiors." Yes. But yes. there's one part where he's talking on the phone and the inside of his house. I know exactly I like, the part. I know exactly the part. I was like, "Whoa, bro, you love that like whatever that type of glass is called." Yes. Like yes. That was wild. Anyway. Um, so I feel actually. So he's rich. He's, he's supposed to be rich. rich somehow. I think maybe because there's a point later in the movie that becomes important to the plot where like Dan Aykroyd has a shirt that Ron made that is snaps instead of buttons. Oh, he's inventor. He must be supposed yeah. to be an inventor oh, yeah, or something. That, that, yeah, because he's an inventor and his brother's a scientist. Okay, that's what yeah. he is. Okay. okay. So then he goes in to meet his brother in the building Meanwhile, his brother Steve is, is frantically preparing for this special experiment that he's timing to the lightning storm. Um, of course. Yes, very like uh, Back to the Future. I was getting a lot of Back to the Future yeah. vibes here. Yeah, this 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 whole part was like Back to the Future slash Ghostbusters, like yeah, slash Frankenstein. Just like- just slash like the eighties. Yes, there's a lot of running around and shouting. Um, yeah, his boss, Doctor Budlong, who did you recognize that actor? I did, but I was not placing him. Yeah, he's he was our guardian angel from Alf, uh, okay. and he's also the guy from Sister Act Two. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay so he's as per usual because he's the boss. He's yelling. At Steve saying, yep. like, you can only bump up the energy on this thing. 
that they're calling the Klystron. And before you ask Amy, I don't know what that is, and I don't think it exists. I wasn't going to even ask. Um, I wasn't even going to ask. <laughs> but so they need the energy from the Klystron to do this experiment, but, like, the boss is saying it can only go up to, like, X number. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ron comes in. This is, like, a very insecure office, like, for seemingly yeah. what they're doing. Um, because Ron comes in, and he's, like, trying to convince Steve. He's like, we got to go. Happy hours here. And I think this is when he's talking about how, like, you got to get in early so that you can, like, make your scene with all the secretaries at the happy hour, which I didn't. Oh, yeah. He did say something about secretaries. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. He had a whole. So he was, like, I know that John Lovitz was on SNL, but I'm not sure if he was a comedian before that. But, like. What Ron, the character, is doing here feels a bit like a tight five. Um, <laughs> because he, I, I, <laughs> he's just doing a running monologue while Steve and his co-worker and the boss man are, like, shouting about this science gobbledygook. And yeah. I was just like, am I supposed to be able to understand anything that anyone is saying? Because... Because I, di- I didn't. I I'll didn't. tell you right here and right now. Because I think I was... Uh, the, the, <laughs> there was, it was too overwhelming to actually take anything in. Cause as we said, it's like lots of running around. It's lots of thunder and lightning and crazy rain. And, you know, people all talking over each other, saying words like Kleistron a lot. And like, I was just like, no clue what's happening. I'm sure this is bringing an alien and we'll get there. But right. like, Like, I was like, I don't even care that I have no clue what's happening. But But the the most important aspects of this scene are that Ron, who is this inventor, maybe he's especially an inventor related to clothing items, he puts his jacket onto a chair next to this Klystron machine. And as the Klystron kicks on to send this signal, because that's the thing that Steve is trying to do, is he's trying to send a signal to, like, a different solar system. Mm-hmm. And um, he needs, like, the boost of the Klystron to do it. And so, mm-hmm. But so be- okay. between the lightning storm and, I am not kidding you, this jacket that touches the, like, Faraday cage outside of the Klystron, the whole thing gets, like, supercharged. And then the signal, as they watch it, they see that it's not just gotten to the, like, original place where they planned for it to go, that it's gotten to an entirely different galaxy called the Clouds of Magellan. And for... Okay. I mean, I don't... <laughs> Whatever that means. It doesn't matter. I Honestly, though, I think Ron says something like it sounds like an underwear company. And I'm like, does it? Is that a thing? Like, I don't know. Clouds of Magellan I, sounds like underwear? I don't know. Um... Weird. But but even more strangely, although maybe not, because, like, so because there was this short circuit thing, like, a massive fire erupts, um, and the whole building shakes, and so even though they've now managed to get this signal to, like, super far out, Dr. Budlong, Steve's boss, is, like, super pissed off, so Steve gets fired. Yep. Fair enough. Um, Steve then comes home that night, and this is when we see his daughter, Jessie, for the first time, and 
I'm only saying this because it's important for later. She is playing basketball and wishing that she could dunk, which I don't know why, but that's what she wishes. Um, well, everyone who plays basketball wishes that, right? Maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't play know. basketball. Me neither. Um, <laughs> so Steve comes home and he tells her that one, on the one hand, good news sent that message. On the other hand, bad news got fired. Um, and I did really like this part because of my own experience of academia. He's like saying, like, I guess I'll just have to think about taking a teaching job. And, um, and then all the teachers are like, don't do it. And then he says that the acceptance rate is a miserable one in 16. And I'm like, oh, buddy, it's like so much worse now. (laughs) Like you have no idea. Um, but maybe for a guy in science, it's better. I don't know. Um, I don't know either. But so then this is where going back to my opening salvo, we learn like he and Jesse sit and talk and I'm pretty sure what we learn is that her mom died like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesse really wants him to be dating or to do something. And he's like, I actually feel like this little girl needs to go to therapy. Probably. Like, if she lost her mom when she was, I think they, I don't think, I want to say they almost said five years ago. Yeah. So she's supposed to be 13. 13. She, they, she's definitely she'd have been 13. Eight. Yeah, she'd have been eight. So, like, she needs, she needs some help. Like, well, I mean, I'm, I she doesn't seem, I th- un, like, unwell. It's but. unclear to me when this mom died because at sometimes I thought they said five years, but then in this opening scene, one of the few things I was able to pick up was that, Steve says he hasn't been on a date since 1986, and that's only two years ago. Oh, yeah. So oh, you're right. I don't know, but regardless, I agree with you. Oh, but maybe she could have, but she could have died, and then, like, he tried going on a date oh, two years ago. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, but. but, yeah, so she is, like, and again, this is where our experience is different, because we don't have parents who were widowed, Um, and so maybe this is a more normal reaction for somebody like who's seen their parent and like wishes that, you know, like time has passed and like they should maybe get out there again. Um, but I will say this, perhaps this is what I strongly feel. Um, (laughs) your 13 year old daughter is not your best friend and you don't talk about dating with her. Yeah, true. And that's regardless of what your scenario is with your, like, ex or your dead wife or whoever. Like, um, what, like, if the kid wants to talk to you, that's one thing. But, like, he's sitting around being like, oh, I don't think I'll ever fall in love again. I'm like, these are not things (laughs) your 13-year-old kid needs to hear from you. And it only gets creepier from there, in my opinion. Yes. (laughs) Um, so... And he basically says to her, like, I'll, I think, yeah, I have it here. He says, like, I'd have to find someone really special. It would have to be, like, one in 16 billion. Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Then we go on to a spaceship <laughs> uh, where Celeste is sexily dressing while learning about Earth. And do you remember, like, the very first shot 
that we get of Kim Basinger? Not really, no. It's just her, like, barefoot and calf. Oh, the leg. Like, in front wait, of... the leg. Yes. Yes, of course. I remember being like, wait, we're just, like, looking at a leg hanging in space. Yes. <laughs> like- and the leg, then, we see is putting on a stocking, of course. <laughs> and while this is happening, a bag is talking to her. <laughs> Oh, That's what they God. call her. I know, but it's just crazy. <laughs> um, so Bag is talking to her and like kind of teaching her what she needs to know about Earth so that she can do some sort of mission. It's not entirely clear yet what that mission is. Um, mm-hmm. But she only has 24 hours to do it. And Bag tells her that she is going to be the most beautiful woman on Earth, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. And that that will be great because men are stupid on this planet and will do anything to please a beautiful woman. <laughs> and the aliens aren't wrong. Like, <laughs> it's true. No lies detected. It's true. I, I feel that then as now, uh, if a man thinks a woman's beautiful, he might do almost anything to well, impress as her. <laughs> Yeah, well, as evidenced by, like, this movie, like, as we see when she gets to Earth, like... Everyone goes nuts about her. And she is beautiful, I will say that. She is beautiful. But if she, again, I will say, like, if she behaved as she did, which, like, there was not anything, like, particularly wrong about it, but it was weird. She seemed nuts. (laughs) If she acted that way and she was not beautiful, no, everyone would have no. been like, "Throw her out, yeah. get her out of here." They would, they would put her in an asylum. They'd be like, yes. you need to be on a twenty-four hour psychological hold to make sure yes. that you are not completely imbalanced and off your meds." But first, they would have thrown her on the streets. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, but so yeah. So this is the plan, and in, inherently in this as well, of course, is. Well, I guess they know that they need to target Steve. Because I was going to say they also know that Earth is completely sexist and misogynist. But I guess more to the point, they already... Because she knows so much about Steve specifically. So they know that she needs to get Because him. he's been the one doing this whatever project. Yeah. 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 So she lands right outside Ron's beach house where there is a party in full swing. Um... Now, I was a bit surprised by this because this is a party where Ron, Steve, and various adults are there, but also Jesse and her friends who are 13 years old. Yeah. The 80s was weird. (laughs) Um, I don't know why under any circumstance 13-year-olds would be at a party with adults. Um... Or at least, like, in this, like, even if, like, they were there, like, they would be in their own, like, we're going to go to the basement and, like, do 13-year-old stuff. Right. Um, I did also, like, did you notice that one of her friends is Juliette Lewis? Of course. I love (laughs) Juliette Lewis. And I'm like, oh, my God, she's in everything. (laughs) Like. Um, So the party's going on. Celeste's ship lands outside on the beach. um, And we get our first full reveal of Celeste because... So far, all we've seen is, like, little bits of her body as she's getting ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you want to describe the reveal? 
<laughs> um, well, she gets out of the ship, like, you know, the normal, like, weird spaceshipy thing where it's like the door opens and she's in silhouette and then you see her. And so she's wearing... So she looks like Kim Basinger. I don't know how to, like, describe Just her. Just Google Kim her. Basinger. <laughs> yeah, she looks like that. But her outfit, like, outfit number one yep. that we can talk about is... It is a red number. Yeah. It is a tight red dress. I can't remember the sleeve situation, if there were sleeves. Yes, there, there were sleeves. To me... Yeah, I guess it's a it's a dress rather than a top and skirt combo. Um, yeah, because it had a black belt, maybe question mark. It I can't had that. A, what a darker red belt. I want to say, okay. but it definitely had a belt, okay. and the sleeves were cor- like three quarter length. Well, like elbow. They cut off at the elbow, okay. and then she had gloves. But the main, yeah, but the main thing that I noticed because this is why I'm a little hazy on the rest of it is that the skirt bottom was, <laughs> I don't I'm not even 100% sure how to describe it, but, like, it was regular. Like, it was a tight skirt. It looked regular. There's, like, most of it looked regular, but it kind of looked like someone put a wire inside of it. A small and, like, hula hoop. Yeah, small, exactly. Like, a circular hula hoop was, like, sewn into the dress. Yes. As if. Not sure what's happening there. Something to make it look spacey, basically. Yeah. Like, and then her hat was, funny enough, her hat reminded me of the lady from um, Star Trek. Yeah, it's a guy like, they hat. copy? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I can't, I don't know when Star Trek ran, so I don't know if Star Trek copied this or this copied Star Trek. I'm not sure. It, I it think was, it's, like, they're both, I think Star Star Trek... When Guinan shows up, it would be right around the same time. Okay. Well, it's a crazy-ass hat. Yes. Um, and I don't even know how to explain it. It's like the circular, like, look up Guinan from yeah. the, or look up, like, red hat from stepmother, <laughs> my stepmother's alien. That's what it was. But it was a wild outfit. It was very wild, and it was definitely meant to say outer space in some yeah. capacity, but also, like, sexy But, like, trying space. to be. Sexy outer space trying to be like what I fit in here. an earth girl would wear. Yes. Um, and in the 80s, like it wasn't off totally from the 80s. Because like 80s was a lot of like bold, weird choices. Um, yeah. But like because, it, yeah, it was like this hula hoopiness of it, I guess was meant to be like orbits or something. Um, yeah. So she gets out of the ship. And she uses her purse to send her ship away. The purse glows. That's going to be important because the purse has, like, powers. Um, <laughs> and so she comes into the party. And boy, oh, boy, like, this is when you see a lot of the kind of what you would expect from, like, very tropey alien stuff. Like, someone walks through with hors d'oeuvres and, a, and like, an ashtray in one hand and the hors d'oeuvres in the other, and they go to her and say hors d'oeuvres, and she, of course, eats a cigarette butt, and she says, that's delicious. Um, and then she smokes a carrot. Yeah, right? she smokes a carrot, and then, like, really... <laughs> and I actually just literally, like, looked up, like, images from the movie, and I just saw that. <laughs> yeah, she smokes a carrot, which I don't even know how you could get a carrot to have fire on it. Um, but then, so she 
like really uh, focuses in on Steve um, and does all these kind of weird, crazy shit things and says a lot of catchphrases. She does like some backflip. She does an actual uh. backflip, but she does like a catchphrase, like multiple catchphrases from like ads that were popular at the time. Oh. Like she says, this bud's for you. Um, oh. And various other weird shit. And after she does the backflip in front of everyone, um, she leaves, she walks outside um, mm. and then, she, and she's like kind of yelling at bag and being like, all your research is wrong. I looked like I was a fucking crazy person just now. Um, but Steve comes out to talk to her. And as you said, if this hadn't been what he perceived to be the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen, there is no way he's following her outside to see if she's okay. Hell to the no. <laughs> um, so he's talking to her. And this is when she's like, I just really want to learn more about this, like, signal you sent and how it worked. And can I see what you did? And he's like, well, I'm sorry. Like, first of all, of course, he assumes that she won't understand anything about it, naturally. Um, Men. And then, thanks for reacting in the exact correct <laughs> way. Um and then when he does realize that she probably will understand, um, he's like, I'm sorry, I've been fired, so I, like, can't get back into the building. And she's like, okay. Um, now they have good security. In the first scene, they didn't seem yeah, to have good yeah, security yeah. there. Um, and I don't totally know how to, like, say... So then they're, like, hitting it off, kind of, and... I forget what happens, but does she start falling and he catches her or something? Um, but there's... Yeah, why does she fall, though? There's something happening where she's, like, falling backward. He catches her, and then they're, of course, in this, like, you know, um, dip-compromising position. And through the yeah. window, Jessie sees. And she's, like, really stoked about it. She's like, my dad might kiss some woman. Oh, yeah. And that was weird. But then as well, the way they were standing was, like, kind of suggestive to me because then in my handwritten notes, where is it? In my handwritten notes, I was like, is Jessie watching her dad get a hand job? Um, Ew. No. We're, let's just go with no because otherwise I hate this movie. <laughs> um, I presume no as well. She didn't even know what a kiss was, so I don't think she can be doing yeah. that. Um, yeah. But anyway, like... Jesse's face lights up at this turn of events, which I'm like, you're you're happy about your dad possibly having a sexual encounter with a woman who seems unhinged? It's really not believable, guys. Like, here's the thing. Like, I I know that like I was a piece of shit and like very unopen to that scenario when I was that age. But like I don't think I was the only one. And no. I don't think this is normal behavior it to be not. excited. No. To be excited for your parent to have some type of, like, sexual relations. No. I'm sorry. Nope. Nuh-uh. No. This was pure... This was people who were going through divorces and shit writing their own fantasies of what they would like their children to feel. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Uh, because here... Guess what? Hot take. I don't like thinking about it now. Ugh. And I am... No. <laughs> And I am an adult, so <laughs> like that's I just I just call bullshit on that aspect of it. But so 
Anyway, somehow Celeste <laughs> is able to convince Steve that they're going to go to the office building to check out what was going on with this transmission. But before they do that, Celeste comes back into the party and finds Jesse, and she's like, my outfit's all wrong, right? And Jesse kind of is like, yes, yeah, it's girl. weird. <laughs> and so then she's like, can you tell me, like, what I should wear? And then Jesse gives her a bunch of magazines. And then what happens with the magazines? I forgot about this, but I'm reading it in the uh, notes that she, so she's looking through the magazines, and then, oh, she puts the magazine in her purse, and then the bag just like shoots a dress out of it. Yeah, <laughs> like she. C- I want. I kind of. I, I now we said the bag is a bitch, and she is. But I kind of want a bag like this. At I the mean, same time. she's got some great skills that are really yeah. useful. Um, mm. But her personality is a that three yeah, out of ten. Let's say a three out of ten. Not great. Um, well, I mean, she wants to like destroy Earth, so I might even say like one out of ten. Fair. But like. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, Celeste, uh, gets a new outfit and then she says, it's no better. I'm going to go, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's no better. I mean, I guess it blends more in earth somehow. It's Um, more earthly, but it's more ugly. Yeah. I don't like it as much. Um, so she, so then she gets dressed in the back of Steve's car as they're driving to the office. When they arrive at the office, um, the first important thing is we get the reveal of the new outfit. I mean, quite a lot of this movie is just Kim Basinger in new outfits, um, which is fine. And, <laughs> really? And it's, this is my favorite part. And I'm it's not funny lie. because, like, it's lit- this whole movie takes place over 24 hours, and she's in at least five different outfits. Um, oh, that's so true. I totally forgot how... Oh my gosh, I totally forgot that this was all supposed to be 44. No, she's actually hours. in 24 hours. She's like in six outfits, I want to say. Oh my god. Um you're right. So this latest outfit, when she gets out of the car, do you want to try your hand at explaining that outfit? This is the floral one. Yes. Um so this one is oh man, uh it's like very quintessential 80s. It's like the top of it is like shoulder pads, a go-go, and it's got like, um, you know, it's like, I think there's like a little like v-necky cross. Yeah, it happening looks at the kind neck. of like, um, like a faux there's a lot of ruching. dress. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a lot of ruching happening in the midsection. And then, yes, it's, like, kind of a little bit asymmetrical, like, wanting to look like a wrap situation. And then isn't there... A long sleeve. Yes. And then isn't there also, like, some sort of... Tassel isn't quite the right word, but there's bits of thing hanging off the side. Oh, I can't remember, but I just know it was, like, very pastel-y flower. Yes, like, very Laura Ashley floral print. Yeah. Yes. And then, like, the kicker of the kickers is that she's wearing white tights like and a nurse. white shoes. Not good, I guys. didn't like that. Like, like, I think that dress would actually probably look really dope even now if you didn't have that bottom bit be all white like that. Yeah, it would look better. I don't love the floral pastel of it all. I think it would be, like, great if it was black 
and no mm. leggings. Well, you just like anything. She would have looked great. But true, but she would have looked like actually cool. Like I mean, that probably was like what she wore in LA Confidential. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, also important side note here. So in the scene we just saw her, her hair was totally straight. Now it's curly as well. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yep. But like fake curly. Yeah, it's like 80s curly. It's that like kind of crimpy, not a crimp, not an actual crimp, but like that like kind of, uh, style of curl that was popular for people who didn't actually have curly hair back then. Correct. (laughs) So, so let's keep a tally. I'm going to. Get luckily, I got my that's outfit too. Yeah, that's outfit too. So I've got my uh good old post its right but here. But to be fair, she so. also is an alien who has outfits that pop out of her bag. So it I is guess easy it to happen. change, it is easy to change. <laughs> um, so they then they c- come into the office, and now there's a security guard, um, which I don't like that didn't seem to exist before, but now they've got one. And um, here's another opportunity where Bag provides IDs so that Celeste can say that she works for DARPA and is here to examine the Klystron. Um, When they get into Steve's office, uh, she's really confused because she's like, nothing here is sophisticated enough to have gotten to our galaxy. Yeah. And Steve is like in another room or something. And so Bag is like, he must be lying. That has that's the only right. explanation for what is going on. Um, so Bag, she's kind of more of a negative Nelly, let's say. She is. Um yeah. me, she's a bit of a downer. Indeed. Um then uh there's a brief scene that I think is meant to be for quote unquote laughs. Um, where the boss, Dr. Budlong, finds Steve back in his office and freaks out, and then Celeste uses her purse to, like, bash him out of the building and, like, put him into his car and then kind of mind, (laughs) like, confund him to make him go drive home and not think about anything that just happened. Um, I mean... Yeah. Cool. Um, and then... Steve and Celeste go out onto the satellite dish that I guess is like some, in the movie, I think this satellite dish is supposed to be on top of this building. Okay. But I don't think it is because it's way too big to be on top of that building. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they're out on this satellite and C- Celeste asks Steve if he'd ever thought about the consequences of invading another galaxy. And Steve is really confused, and he's like, I don't think this transmission is, like, an invasion. What? You know, like, first oh. of all, like, and that's not really how I thought of it. Um, but also, yeah, it's. I think from his perspective, he's like, I was going to be lucky if it even worked at all. So I certainly didn't think about, like, what potential downsides there might be, which is a very... Weird. I mean, again, as we've been talking a lot about mad scientists of late, I'm like, maybe it is good to think about <laughs> consequences a little before you do something. It's probably, it probably is. Um, but meanwhile, Steve has been more and more drawn to this woman. And so he asks her if he can kiss her, which I did think was nice in 1988 to ask a woman if it's okay to kiss her because I don't think that behavior was being modeled much in most movies. <laughs> Um, but so 
do you want to describe like so he asks if he can kiss her does no does, i don't does she know what a kiss is no she has to ask bag and bag I mean, another cool feature of Bag is that she can, like, throw a screen up in the air yep. at any point. Yep. And she shows, she tries, I can't remember exactly, but she shows kissing, but, like, lots of weird, random, like, it's almost as if <laughs> you, like, typed in kiss in Google. Yes. And then, like, all the different versions of that popped up you know so she does like a weird like um blowing a kiss at one point she's like i can't remember all of the weird things that she did but it was weird yeah again uh, again if she was not gorgeous this would be she a, would have no. been like bye-bye yeah. this would be the like oh i thought that date was going well we ended on a kiss then and it then got weird. i decided i don't want to see this person ever again <laughs> Um, yeah, there's, and in my handwritten notes, my notes say a lot of what's happening in this is very Three Stooges, like, like lots of physical comedy shit. And then they have a clip from the Three Stooges in the montage that she's watching. And I was like, that is too perfect. Like, cause she's like doing all kinds, she's like kissing his neck real weird or like doing the two cheek kiss or like, you know, Mm -hmm. kissing his hand, I think is one of the things um, and then they, and then Bag starts showing her, like, kissing from other species. So they're doing, like, bird things. And <laughs> so weird. it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um, well, you wrote, you wrote, wait, like, despite being the weirdest kiss in human history, Steve is way into it. <laughs> I couldn't describe it any other way. And it's true. Like, he was not taken aback. He is... He, okay, we said something about, like, the reactions of people in this movie. And yes. His None of them are believable. Throughout. None of them are believable. Yeah. His reactions throughout are, like, first of all, if he's this, like, good-ass scientist who's, like, specifically studying life on other planets... Wouldn't he think for like five seconds? I mean, not saying that he would immediately jump to like this woman's an alien, right? But like, he would be like, this behavior is strange. Correct. <laughs> like, correct. Hmm. And and later, like more and more stuff happens where I'm like, bro, what? <laughs> like, and when like her his daughter like specifically tells him things, and he's like, that's another thing in movies that really drives me crazy that people do is not believing anybody. I know. And, like, I know, I know that, like, I, it's not, like, I just believe people no matter what. But, like, if somebody I cared about, regardless of the fact that they were, like, a child or whatever, if they told me something, even if it sounded crazy, I'm trying to put myself in that scenario. Like, if someone came to me and was like, I just saw that person drink a motherfucking battery. Like, I would like to think that my initial reaction would be to support and believe that person. <laughs> as crazy as that is, like, well, I would I'll like to it, think that to, I would be on their side. I'll put it to you this way. Do I believe my family member, my friend, my child, who I've known for X number of years, and they're telling me something over a stranger? Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and, I should believe right. this person who I know. Right. Like, um, Correct. So, 
Yes, because Steve is so smitten about this really awesome kiss, uh, <laughs> he invites her home um, to see if there's more information about the transmission there. Um, very quickly, it's established, no, there is not, and anything that is there supports the idea that all the equipment they have is what she just saw. But, of course, mm -hmm. Bag is like, no, he's lying. There's got to be something else here. Um, then, for God knows what reason, there's a, a short little uh, vignette where, like, Steve and Celeste are watching Jesse sleep. Yeah. I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, then... Um, they leave Jesse's room and they're standing outside Steve's room and um, Celeste is like, well, why don't we go in there and talk? And Steve is like shocked and he's like, um, look, do you think I like make a bunch of money or um, that I'm like super important and powerful? Because again, because of like bag wasn't wrong. Um, like he's like the only way a woman... I don't think he says it, but the implication is, like, the only way a woman as beautiful as her would be into him is if he was rich or had power or something, and he doesn't have any of that. Um, yeah. And, I mean, that might be true, but, like, whatever. Yeah. But she's like, no, no. <laughs> um, but then she seems quite into making out. So then they make out, and then they're on the bed, and then, again, what a nice turn of events for a 1988 movie Steve asks her if she wants to have sex um <laughs> and Celeste is like maybe I need to go to the bathroom <laughs> uh and he's like okay uh, and in the bathroom is when she asks Bag to show her what sex is um and this I found hilarious um, because at first Bag doesn't want to tell her. Yeah, that was weird. Um, she's, it's like on that little screen, it was something like it gave a couple definitions and then it was like definition redacted or something. And, um, Celeste is like, come on, like I, if I'm supposed to find out information from this guy, then I need to know what he's, what he's asking for. Um, and so then Bag relents and gives some information about sex, um, which includes, a, as with the kiss thing, like just a montage of weird clips put together that yeah. I don't think would be very helpful. Like to me, they didn't help me know anything. Um, no, and I mean, I think that, uh, that was the PG-13 of it all, right? Like they weren't going to show, like they should have shown... I guess there's not like a medical textbook about sex, but like some type is. of like, yeah, something like that where that shows like the actual, because the clips that we saw were like strip teases. Right. And, and then Bag was like manifesting all the Debbie does whatever video. Right. And I was like, so you've made a VHS, but like she there's can't watch no it in VCR anything. in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but initially... Celeste's reaction is, that's disgusting, um, which, yeah, I mean, that checks out. Like, I think most of the time 
when most people learn about sex, that's the reaction. That's gross. Um, yeah. And so it she is. has the same. <laughs> like, on a, on a, like, it is. It is gross. Um, and in what we learn about whatever culture Celeste is from, she says that they've given up sex 3,000 years ago. So I did love that. That was hilarious. Interesting. To me. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so nonetheless, for whatever reason, she goes very quickly from thinking it's disgusting to deciding she's going to do it. I guess because she thinks it's like she's got to for this task, which to us is still unclear exactly what the task is um, or the mission. So then she comes out from the bathroom I guess this technically counts as outfit three, um, but she's just in, like, a negligee, and um, as I've described it in the outline, she comes out of the bathroom and is a real smoke show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fair enough. She did look great. Yeah. Like, I will say, uh, there is a lot of, like, suggestion of her boobs in this movie for and like, sure <laughs> <laughs> like yeah mm, anyway yeah that's all I'll say yeah um like this outfit we definitely see like I mean we basically nipples. see them I mean yeah yeah like, um and then in other outfits that's also happening um yeah and then this we've got to talk about her white crushed velvet outfit but i know right um (laughs) so she comes out there's like wind blowing through her hair um it's all slow-mo it's a lot of like watching her move around in suggestive ways um and then they have sex and once it's over celeste is like kind of pleasantly surprised at how much she's enjoyed it And again, in a very kind of this is the alien gag of like, do people know about this? Um, Mm -hmm. And he's like, yep, basically everyone knows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then she, I forget exactly what she says, but she like says something very specific about his background. And he's like, how do you know so much about me? And I'm like, yeah, dude, maybe this is weird. Maybe it's, like, fucking super weird that the most beautiful woman you've ever seen seems to know, an like, an encyclopedia's worth of information about you, and she just fucked you. Like, shouldn't she? Maybe you might want to be, and you work for presumably some sort of government agency. This seems like maybe you want to be worried a bit about this. <laughs> But the aliens were counting on it. Men are stupid and will do anything for a beautiful woman. And again, they were not wrong. Correct. So <laughs> once he falls asleep, Celeste starts looking around the house for more information, which she doesn't find. Um, but this is when we learn that in her culture, you read with your arm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was really strange. Um, didn't get that. Uh, then she watches a little clip of a Jimmy Durante song that will come to be mattering later. Mm-hmm. Um, the next day, this is your favorite scene. Um, Je- Jessie's in the kitchen eating a Pop-Tart with a Coke for breakfast. So, like, sh- this girl needs a mom. Like, she needs yeah, a mom. Yeah, big time. For sure. Um... And she gives the Pop-Tart, like, to the dog, too. Oh, right. And then Steve walks in singing, and I'm like, 
gross. Like, <laughs> come on. But that's always, and that's another thing. Okay, hey, guess what? This is another thing that I just want to, like, point out as, like, now an adult person who watches movies and, like, never thought about this before. That is always what people do, like, to signify <laughs> I had sex last night is they, like, are, like, <laughs> they, like, whistle the next yeah. morning or they're, like, singing a song and, like, I don't know. Like, I call a little bit of bullshit on that. Like, I'm not sure. Like. Yeah. I mean, look, you can be excited about it and maybe you're even, like, in a good mood. Maybe you're a little bit more smiley. Maybe you hold the door open for people a bit longer. Um <laughs> I mean, maybe, but, but you're like, certainly, I don't know. you're not, you are certainly not like doing like a Disney princess level performance song <laughs> about the fact that you just got laid the night before. Was he singing that? No. What was he singing? I forget oh. what he was singing, but he was singing something. And it's just like a funny thing. And like, I don't, and I, the th- other funny thing about it is I don't think they generally do it for women. No. Like, it's generally, no. like, a guy thing. Because I know they did it on Friends, too. Like, he, Ross, like, is, like, singing down the street one morning. And, like, every and, – and also the other thing that's hilarious about it is it's supposed to tell us, okay, they had sex last night. And also everyone else in the movie who witnesses them or in the show, whatever it is, generally – Knows that's what's That's happened. the vibe. Yes. That's what – because so, men can only be carefree in the wake of having had sex, apparently. That's the only <laughs> like, thing that makes them happy. That's the only thing that makes them happy like that. Like to feel it's real, so weird. to have real joy for men, you must have had sex. That is the only time you can feel joy or elation. So weird. Um, so so then, yeah, that's when there's like this weird tête-à-tête between Jesse and Steve, where she seems like pretty into the fact that something's going on and then Celeste walks in and then Jesse's even more excited to see and infer what has transpired um and she like goes off to school um just as a quick check-in this is now um Kim Basinger's fourth costume change um because she's in but she's in like isn't she in, in one robe. of his robes yeah yeah. So this is the only one where she doesn't actually look good, but like, you know, nonetheless. Um, so then Jesse goes off to school, and when they're alone, I forget exactly how this comes up, but Steve tells Celeste, I love you. Um, mm-hmm. Which, how do I want to put this? Um... We've just established only some moments ago that he's a real sad pants who will never find love again. (laughs) And now he loves a woman after having known her... Like 16 hours. Less. Less than that. Because the party... Let's say the party was at 8 p.m. This is like... 12 hours at most. At most. And some of that time he was asleep. (laughs) Like, eight hours of that, he was asleep, so, quite honestly. So, that anyway, is, that's happened. That's weird, guys. Like, that's... <laughs> There's so many red flags that yes. like, he should have... Mm. So, she's kind of like, thank you? <laughs> I want to say, like... Um, and, but then she very casually, because she, again, she doesn't fully understand, like human 
behaviors yet or like how to say and do things she just very casually yeah. is like well that's nice I'm leaving tonight forever <laughs> and that was great and I love that because I love it because I feel like the the trope is that women are the needy ones yes. and women are like the clingy ones yes. and men are like peace so I kind of love her being like cool I got mine I'm out right and <laughs> and more to the point I will say it in a slightly different way is like I sometimes get irritated because both in movies and tv and in life it's like men as well I'll say men who are dating women um often operate under the assumption that as soon as they decide they want to have a serious relationship. As soon as they decide they love someone, they're going to say it to this woman and she is going to be exactly on the same page. So the person yeah. who is dictating the direction of the relationship is the man, not the woman. Um, because women always want that. Right. That's always Women goal. are always ultimately trying like... to get married. That's what they yeah. want. Um, and so, I, yeah, I liked this too, that she's like... Well, that's nice, isn't it? Um, go- bye forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I wish that had actually been the movie. And then it ended. And I she know. Was like, I wish she had said, it's nice that you feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so then he's very confused. And so his reaction, because like earlier on, he thought that she was from the Netherlands, like Holland. Um, and so he perceives this answer as being something to do with like a visa status thing. So then he's like, I know this seems really fast, but let's get married. And her, her line, <laughs> a crazy person, her line, which I loved that this was her reaction. Her answer is, this is a strange development. That's what she said. Yes. That's brilliant. <laughs> and again, should be a red flag if you ask somebody to marry you and that's their initial response, like, you should rescind. Yes. Um, but, I mean, but that's factually true. This is an extremely no, I strange agree. development. No, I agree with her 100%, but I'm just saying, on like, that should have stopped him in his tracks a little. For sure. <laughs> um, so, basically... She then asks him, like, well, we need to talk more about this Klystron thing and this transmission. He's like, I can't think about that. All I can think about is you. And then she's like, well, if we got married, could you get back to doing science? And he's like, eventually. <laughs> yeah. um, so she's like, okay, well, I need to think things over. So she goes for a walk to think things over and when she leaves the house she tells bag to contact the council because she's very upset because she's like my intelligence is wrong things are not working out properly and i have been misinformed about quite a lot and so she takes a walk to a baseball field um and this is again she's in a different outfit now so we're at outfit five in what was her outfit in this part? This was not, like kind of a nondescript. Nondescript. Like, um, you know those dresses that were like button down, not like a shirt dress, but like a button down dress that would go like 
kind of to your knees and then have a belt around yeah. it. It was that sort of yeah. jazz. Okay. Um, nothing particularly special here. Um, so she goes to this baseball field and, um, wait, 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 I need to catch up in my notes. Okay, so she goes to the baseball field, which is like this designated meeting space for the council. Um, the council is, as you said, three old white guys. (laughs) Of course. Um, one of whom I did recognize, the actor was called Tony J. Um, and he's been in a variety of different things. He's got kind of a good resonant voice, so I understood why they chose him for, like, being the lead council guy. Um, Mm -hmm. and so basically, this is when we finally find out what Celeste's mission has been, because it's revealed that that transmission that got all the way to their soul, to their galaxy, disrupted the gravity on their planet, and they only have, like, now, I guess, 12 hours to send the signal again to return the gravity to normal so that everyone will survive. And mm-hmm. so so then Celeste is like, I'm trying to get him to tell me what's going on, but he's totally in love with me, which is yet another reason, like, maybe you shouldn't have sent the most beautiful woman. Like, you, she needed, yeah. she needed to be attractive enough to get answers but not so attractive that the person couldn't concentrate on their job I guess correct um so like the second most beautiful correct um so then she says and now he said he can't even do anything unless I marry him and they're like well then marry him um and then they do a whole quote-unquote funny bit where they're looking up what marriage is um, in on Earth, and they have a lot of weird descriptions of it from like times <laughs> in the past. Um, yeah. So, th- so they leave the meeting saying, "We'll make sure that there's lightning on Earth." So here's the thing: these people are all powerful and seem to know quite a lot about Earth, but like they can't figure out this gravity problem. Yeah, that's weird. I don't. That seems strange. But anyway. So they're going to send lightning to create the conditions that they need. And they're like, so you've got to make sure that he will do this transmission. We only have, let's say, 12 hours left to go. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, she has been gone for no more than an hour. (laughs) And we arrive back at Steve's house and the wedding is on. Like... There are guests. The the I mean it's it is at his house, so it's like I guess you could have gotten all these things. But like the house is decorated. There are guests sitting in chairs. There's a band ready to play. They've got no, it's crazy. an efficient um ready to do the like marriage. And I'm like, what is happening? How no, it's crazy. It's absolutely how? crazy. I mean I know weddings... And they'll have outfits. I know. And I know weddings of today have gotten really over the top. But I feel like even in 1988, to be fully able to pull together an entire wedding in an hour is, like, a lot. And as well, the whole thing was she was going to, like, mull it over on this walk. 
Have we met? She doesn't need to mull very long, I guess. I just, maybe there's some amount of time that's supposed to pass between this meeting with the council and when the wedding is actually starting. But at most, the time that passed was four hours. Like, maximum. Um, She also uh, has a dress ready to go, which we'll talk about very shortly. Um, So... Allison, no, not Allison. Jesse and Ron are talking with Steve about this impending nuptial. Um, and Ron is very jealous that this has happened. Um, but Jesse's super excited. Um, this is also when it's revealed that his previous marriage with Jesse's mom, um, they met, they got married after a week. Oh, wait. She says that? He says that. Oh, my God. He's crazy. Yeah. He's a crazy person. He has a problem. <laughs> he clearly has a problem. Um, so. He has an attachment disorder of some kind. <laughs> is over-attaching too quickly? Yeah, that probably is one. Um, I think that's a thing. So. That's not good. Yeah, it doesn't seem great. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, then Jesse goes, knocks on. Or, no, she doesn't knock on the door. The door where. Uh, Celeste is getting ready is like slightly ajar. Mm -hmm. And then again, we're in an outfit that's lingerie outfit um, Mm -hmm. that I don't think that lingerie is actually under her wedding dress later. It cannot be. So this is just to put her in lingerie. So she's in lingerie (laughs) getting ready for her wedding. And what does Jesse see her doing while she is my favorite part (laughs) she is drinking batteries she's literally taking d batteries and drinking them like and squishing them like you squish a a soda can yeah and then um so that's already wild and then she's also talking with bag but jesse doesn't see anyone like so she's Mm -hmm. like so she's talking to herself and drinking d batteries like this is bad. It's alarming. <laughs> this is bad. And Jesse, who had been so gung-ho earlier, earlier that day, wait a second, yep. I just realized she has come home from school to discover her dad is planning a fucking wedding. And she's like, great, here's my dress. Here we go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's bonkers. I mean, the, and I don't know, maybe you, maybe, maybe there's like, we could, drum up an explanation for this movie that like the aliens have affected their Minds thought processes somehow. or yeah, something. Yeah, that would make more sense. But I don't but I don't also think so because of the next stuff that happens. No, with they clearly Jessie. aren't doing that, but that would make more sense if like let's go with that. <laughs> like even if it was like she if Celeste could cons- somehow be controlling Steve, like something yeah. to make more of this make sense. Um, yeah. But I don't think that's what's happened. Um, They're just dumb. So <laughs> Jessie has a major 180 upon seeing this. She runs into Steve's room and she's like, I just saw this thing happen. Maybe we may want to slow walk this marriage thing. Um, but <laughs> After 24 hours. Yeah, not even 24. Um, but then Steve is like, no, my stupid daughter, I just had great sex last night, so please get out of my face. Um, <laughs> again, again, if someone who is your, your, 
your flesh and blood is telling you, like, okay, here's the deal. Like, best case scenario, your daughter is making this up because she doesn't want you to marry this person. That's best case scenario. Right. So right. talk to your daughter. Right. Like, so, what is so really going on here? Maybe, like, what is... So if she if she's doing that, if she's doing something manipulative because she doesn't want you to marry this person, maybe postpone the wedding that you planned three hours ago for, like, a week. Minimum. Yeah. And if this person is not from another planet, they'll still be here in a week. Correct. So it's all good, bro. I know. Like... <laughs> I know. So then uh, he doesn't listen to her and we get the set piece of the wedding itself where now we are in, I would say, one of the classic looks for Kim Basinger in this movie. It's outfit number seven, um, the wedding dress. Uh, Do you want to try your hand at describing this? So, yeah, from like head to toe. Here we go. So the... (laughs) Veil. We're gonna we'll start with the veil. Yes. So weird. Well, I kind of liked it, but like it was okay. The whole thing is like crazy eighties, but the veil is a tiny little tiara in the center of her head, mm-hmm. and then like a short veil, and I feel like then there's like a longer veil. No, it was, it was just a short veil. Just a short veil. So it's like very weird. Yes. Um. It's looked like... And it's, just to clarify for people, it's a short veil off the back. There is nothing over her face. Yeah. So it looked like, what it looked like to me was, like, the veil situation looked like a six-year-old who <laughs> bought a veil at a, it's like... It's very, like, um, yeah, like a kid's ballet costume. thing. Yeah. 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 Yes, because the tiara even, yes, 100%, because the tiara even looked like what would, like, go over your bun. Yeah. Like, that was, like, the size of it. And, yeah, it would look like a ballet costume. And then her dress was, like, again, shoulder pads out up to your ears and, like, long sleeves. And then the kicker And was, very, I don't like, remember. very kind of, like, brocade, lacy. Like, at the, the yeah. front part of it looked almost semi-normal almost puritanical and how much fabric and like coverage we were getting yeah because it was like yeah because it was like was it a turtleneck I'm having it was like a mock turtleneck I think yeah 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 so that and then we like pan to the back of it and (laughs) and it's this ginormous cutout like heart cutout of her on her back from like the top of her shoulder blades all the way down to like right above her ass crack yes and it is a lot it was quite a look and again it's like where did this dress come from but I guess bag can make anything in that regard so yeah bag yeah bag bag made made the dress dress. and bag is a hoe (laughs) (laughs) someone chose that look I don't know who um so then they get married. The The wedding itself is exceptionally perfunctory because Celeste is distracted because she's like, I need to get this guy married to me so that then he can pay attention to science. Um, it's so weird. But despite that, they still have time for a reception where she is now in a different outfit. That's outfit number eight. Um, holy hell where it's that's the one where it's like that kind of poofy short skirt that's pink and like a black top 
Oh, I forgot that yeah, one. Yeah, because there's just, that's only briefly on her because it's like that little scene where they're dancing together. Okay. Um, so okay. to tell us, they ha- they've squeezed in a reception somehow um, okay. into this day. And then later, wedding's over, reception's over. Celeste has made a dress for Jesse to go on a date with Seth Green. <laughs> this is a jam-packed day, everybody. There's so like, much I, happening on this day. I, I'm not kidding. Like, when I just, nobody cares, but I'm going to say it. Like, when I write my to-do list for a day, it will have, like, three things on it, four tops, maybe. And I will be proud if I get through those three <laughs> or four things. And a couple of those things are things like, vacuum a rug and that takes three <laughs> minutes like so I'm like it is insane how much stuff is getting done and happening in this one day it's true so the kids go off on their date as soon as they leave Celeste is like well we're married and you said you would do science once we're married so let's go ahead and get back to that <laughs> science and like Steve Thinks she's laughing, like joking. So he laughs. Yeah. And then they go upstairs to have sex. Now, oh. <laughs> I assume okay. that's implied anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So then some more time passes. And it's the middle of the night. And at Dr. Budlong's house, he receives a telephone call from a person identifying themselves as Carl Sagan who's a real, actual science person. Okay, um, I knew I recognized that name, but I didn't know yeah. what that meant. Uh, but in this case, it wasn't actually... They didn't get Carl Sagan to do this voice. It's done by Harry Shearer, pretending to be Carl okay. Sagan. Um, okay. And then fake Carl Sagan tells Dr. Budlong that he needs to hire Steve back um, and get him working first thing in the morning. Um... And then when Dr. Budlong says, yes, I will, and he hangs up the phone, we, the audience, see that, in fact, this has been bag pretending to be Carl Sagan. (laughs) I love this, like, bit that bag does of being other people on the phone. (laughs) Um, I gotta say, like, she's evil and all, but, like, she's kind of funny. She really... Like, there's no, like, I think you said this before, like, nothing stands in her way from her objective. No. So. No, she's, she's goal-oriented. So then, so now I'm getting confused because supposedly Celeste only has 24 hours to achieve the goal that she needs to achieve. Let's say she arrives at Ron's beach house party at 8 p.m. on whatever day. I have yeah. to assume that by now, I mean, we're taught, it's the next night. 24 hours has passed. Yeah. And she also ate, bef- like, okay, <laughs> not that we care, but, like, in the beginning when she's, like, on the ship and, like, asking, like, do I need to bring food or will I need food, the thing is, like, no, we're there for 24 hours, you don't need to eat. But she's already eaten multiple times, right? Yeah, like just yeah. the batteries. Just I think so far we've just seen batteries once. Okay. Um, so so anyway, this whole twenty four hours thing is bullshit anyway. Apparently, um, <laughs> because then over this night, 
in addition to spending some time convincing Dr. Budlong to rehire um, this guy, uh, we see a montage of Celeste getting food ready for breakfast for the next day. And I can't remember exactly what the thinking was here, but I think it was like, um, you don't want to have any excuse for Steve not going into the office the next day. And so, like, she needs to, like, make sure he has a good breakfast and, like, get him on his way out the door. Um, Yeah. And so this is another montage where first she goes to some diner that serves breakfast 24 hours a day. Then she Mm -hmm. goes to a grocery store. Then she's back home and she's cooking all of these different things. And in this one montage, which can't last more than two and a half minutes, she's got an additional two outfits on. She's got (laughs) the, the pink polka dot halter top outfit. That's when she's in the diner. Oh, yeah. I liked that one. That was cute. That was a cute one. That one also had gloves involved. Yeah, um, the gloves. I was wondering, actually, I think at that point or some point, I was like, are her hands fucked up? Like, well, she's wearing gloves a lot. Maybe they are, because then in outfit number two, she's in her, like, nighttime negligee combo. Um, oh, but then her hands are, we see her. Yeah, she's picking up. at other points. Going back to the hard-boiled egg conversation of last week. <laughs> she's making hard, oh, yeah, yeah. hard-boiled eggs, and she's just picking up the hard-boiled eggs out of what we presume to be boiling water. Um, she's... Uh, oh, like t- cooking things in the oven and taking out the trays with her bare hands. Um, <laughs> She's a wild person. And some, and this is when Jessie comes back from her date. And yeah, she like sees it all through the window. Yeah, she sees that, and then she all this is a, and then we see uh, Celeste drinking battery fluid from the car, from the family car. Right, right. So next day. <laughs> uh yeah that right yes yes see the timing on this makes no sense we've already gone past the 24 hours um maybe they extended it at some point i don't know i don't know um so then we get to the morning the humans are awake uh celeste has been awake all night um and she's bringing out piles and piles of food that she has made uh over the course of the evening and I know it's like movie food and I'm not even sure if it's real food but it looked really good like I was watching that I and I was, was <laughs> mad that they didn't eat it it looked so good like I like, was especially liking it looked like maybe like two Belgian waffles with like a the cream and a so strawberry good. on top. Like there were quite a few things on that table where I was like, I want Holy that shit. so much. Same. <laughs> like, Same. I would have been like, you know what? You're a fucking alien. Cool. Don't care. Give me that food. <laughs> yeah. You made a turkey. Oh boy, do I want some turkey. Like maybe I also think I wonder like because it's like now getting into fall turkey time I saw that and I was like I could eat a fucking turkey right the fuck now (laughs) I was it was all the breakfast food that was looking better to me than like a turkey all of it looked great all of it looks great so but as the more food she's bringing out the more kind of concern shows on Jesse's face 
Because she's like... But what's his butt does not give a fuck. No, he's like, this is totally normal behavior. And it's like... He does not... He is a fucking idiot. I'm just going to say it. Like, I know that's not what this movie is about, but, like, he is an actual dum-dum. Correct. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and so... Oh, I should also say, this is... Now she's in a different outfit. Um, This is, like, an all-black number, and we finally have her hair in a ponytail at this time. Um, so this is out oh, when you cook like 1800 pounds of food yeah. <laughs> to put your hair up. Indeed. Um, so this is outfit 11. Um, so then a phone call comes. It's Dr. Budlong saying, I'm rehiring you and you have to come back to work today. And so uh, he's like, I guess so. Um, and like Celeste is super excited. She leaves the room. Jesse is like, Dad. Like, don't you see? This is weird. Like, stuff is weird. Please, please listen to me. And he doesn't care. Um, he goes off to work. I, he... He's rude. Yeah. And again, like, it makes me so mad that he doesn't believe his daughter. She's like, she drank the fucking car battery, I know. Bro. And he's like, and oh, he's did like, she really? Like, um, <laughs> and then once Steve goes to work... Celeste starts cleaning the house and is doing it super fast. Jesse sees that. She calls up her dad, who has already arrived at the office, and is like, things are going nuts here. You need to come back immediately. Something's terribly wrong. And because, she, like, at the very least, he's a good enough dad to be like, my daughter's voice is upset. I I will go back and find out what's wrong. Mm-hmm. But while he, I guess, presumably is driving from the office to the house, Bag basically attacks Jesse and (laughs) is like, you're about to, like, kind of blow up our spot and tell the whole plan. And um, your dad is a liar. He's not told the truth. And I didn't, like, the torture such as it was was, like, having Jesse be floated up onto the ceiling and kind of, like, pinned there. Um, maybe this is that allegory about child abuse that was originally in the thing. Um, and when, uh, Celeste is there too, and she starts to feel like bag is going too far. And so she says to, she explains to Jesse what's going on, that she's an alien, Mm -hmm. that there is this mission, that they have to leave this evening, that she never meant to hurt anyone, and um, Jesse's like, you mean you're just going to, like, break my father's heart like that? And I just am like, this daughter is like a fucking champion and her dad sucks so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and again, reactions are so, so bizarre. Um, because, like... But I can understand this. Jesse's like, I don't like you, and I would like you to leave. But, like, my dad loves you, and he hasn't loved anybody. And so, like, for him, I wish you wouldn't just fucking ghost. Like, um, <laughs> and then that kind of gets to Celeste. So she tells Bag, like, let Jesse go. Everything returns to normal kind of right as Steve is arriving. Um, Jesse then tries to explain what has just been happening and Steve is like stop making things up I just got back to work 
and you've brought me out of it and like just to act like a child and I'm like oh because your child act like a child wow weird um so <laughs> in, in a fit of peak the likes of which a 13 year old girl is the only one capable of doing it uh she storms out of the house <laughs> and I think we've said this before whenever I see someone storm out I'm like I want to do some storming out. I've never stormed out. <laughs> I've never stormed out of anything, and I really, really would like to. Um, and she storms out, gets on her bike, and starts angrily riding around the that's neighborhood. A, that's a recipe for a disaster, though. Yeah. I mean, I think she's also, like, crying, so you can't, she can't really see. Um, so then what – and then Steve and Celeste run out after her, and then what happens – um, Celeste, well, I forgot this part, to be perfectly honest, but she gets nearly hit by a car, and then Celeste saves her with her purse powers. <laughs> well, specifically, like, so a, a station wagon is turning a corner. Celeste and Steve have the vision that I can... I, I, you know, has happened to parents where they're running after their kid and they're seeing the accident about to happen. Um, and however, what Celeste is able to do is like make Jesse's body pass through the car without getting hurt or hurting the person inside. Um, mm -hmm. And so she like ends up on the other side, just like standing on the street, super shocked um, and in shock about what has just happened. Yeah. Um, and basically this wins over uh, Jesse to Celeste because she's like, you like outed yourself to save my life. You were trying to pretend like you were human this whole time, but now it's obvious that you aren't and my dad knows. And like, so now I like you. Um which is a pretty quick and easy resolution to the the difficulties they were having just moments ago. Um, and this is also, this scene in um, Jesse's bedroom is when we are to outfit number 12, which I think is the outfit that remains on for the rest of the movie, which is the white velvet shirt-skirt combo. Crushed velvet. Yes, yes. That is also kind of see-through. <laughs> well, on the top, certainly. But I noticed when she walked away at some point, it seemed like she was wearing black underwear, too. And I was really? like, that is... Yeah, I felt like I could see her underwear at points, too. I don't know. It was weird. I mean, <laughs> like, I liked the outfit. I thought... Because I was like, oh, so now everyone knows that she's an alien, so maybe she's allowed to have this, like, this more, like, ethereal quality to her clothing. And, I, and that's fine, but I was like, but... Like, does she know that her nipples show in this outfit? Like, probably. Yeah. She, she must. Like, she must yeah. know. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's a white crushed velvet skirt-shirt combo. Um, long skirt, flowy skirt. Um, a very, like, a good witch. She kind of looked like a good witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So, Jesse goes to sleep. Steve and Celeste have a serious talk because now he's like, you were just using me. 
what a bitch, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, bro, everything that has happened is 100% your fault. She did not ask oh. you to marry her. Like, <laughs> um, So she explains that this gravity situation for a planet, that his, like, transmission set everything in motion. Um, and so that that's why she was sent to Earth, and that's what she's been trying to do. Um, she also, so this is, this is a question. She says that the planet she is from is 55 centuries ahead of where Earth is. And that she herself is 1,296 years old. Yeah. Uh, What's your problem? That's fine. <laughs> I well, my question is perhaps not exactly the one you might imagine. It, like, are the people from this planet, which I don't think she specifically names, um, are they just like advanced humans, or are they a different species entirely? She, I don't know that she explains it, but like, I don't think she looks the way she does, like as an as her true form, right? Like, she looks. Do you know what I mean? But then again, the council guys all look like humans. I wonder. But then Bag looks like an eye, like a penis with an eye. Yeah, <laughs> like, we haven't talked know. about what Bag looks like. <laughs> it's an eye. It actually look at okay. That's the wrong. That's the wrong. That's not what it looks like. But Bag looks like a um, shit. What's the what? What are those things called? Like that come out of a um, like a submarine. The oh uh, yeah, the, the periscope. Yeah, she like she looks like that with an eyeball. <laughs> and but more organic. Like she looks yeah. like like the eye like a worm. She yeah, like a worm but also like the eye of a crab, like just but yeah. just one singular one. Yeah. Um and she's also got a weird funny little mouth I noticed at a certain point. Yeah, there's a mouth on the eye somehow, yeah. <laughs> which I don't get. Um yeah, I don't, because that, that goes back to the beginning of the movie where they, she, Bag tells her, like, you've been designed to be the most beautiful woman. And yeah. so I wonder, hmm, I wonder if it's kind of a thing like they appear to us to look like humans because if they looked different, we would react badly. Yes, I think so, probably. Okay. Um, But... So anyway, so I don't understand why she says this 55 centuries ahead, but maybe it's like, regardless of species, we were at your point 5,000 years ago and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so, but I will say it does seem like in this process of evolution, they've lost quite a bit of fun um, and like interest in the tangible Right? Like, because mm-hmm. he asks, like, what do you do for fun? And she just says, like, math and things. Um, <laughs> and he's like, well, that sounds weird. Um, that sounds like the worst. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> but then he's like, why don't you try this ham sandwich I'm eating and drink this booze? And she's like, no, no, no. I like, we don't do that. And he's like, but you can do it. Like, you can eat this. Right. And she was like, yes. Um, and so then she's like, oh, wow, eating's pretty great. Um, drinking is I pretty felt that great. Part. That like, I, that yeah, I, under, like, yeah. I felt like I resonated with. <laughs> um, but then she does say to him, like, look, I know you're angry, but like, 
I like I do actually like you um I, that wasn't like a trick and it's and I guess what she's saying is like you know you like yes you got the scientific mind that I uh, enjoy but like I I've come to enjoy like anyway she likes him um so they're having this like moment and as they're talking she moves her finger toward his chest and then gets a little shock from his shirt because mm -hmm. it's this snap instead of button thing and um Steve is like Oh, yeah, it's probably because there's this lightning storm. It's the lightning storm that the council has promised they're going to make. And then that's when Steve realizes, oh, there was a short circuit around the Klystron, and that's what supercharged the power, and that's how this transmission got so far. So now let's go and save your planet, Celeste. Um, <laughs> and she's like, great, great, great. So then she communicates to bag like I figured it out we're on our way now we're gonna fix everything you know whatever yeah bag reveals some upsetting information at this time this is when she's like oh yeah no go we're gonna blow up earth we don't care yeah like so basically bag has been given different instructions from the council that say as soon as that transmission is sent to fix our gravity, you must destroy Earth entirely. Um, and the reason for that is that the threat of this happening again can't be allowed to continue. Got it. Um, so in response, Celeste is like, well, you're not fucking doing that. I'm leaving you at the house. <laughs> and they go off. Steve and Celeste rush off to the office building to try and save her planet. Uh-huh. How does Bag get herself oh to the office? <laughs> well, first of all, I would I'm a little surprised with her tactic because um though I love it, I feel like she's more advanced than that based on Oh other yeah, she, she can why do. can't she just like float herself there? Something. So, what she does do though? <laughs> Is she calls John Lovitz and pretends to be Celeste and says, like, I know I married your brother yesterday, but like I like you. Correct. And he, because he's because he's a creep, is like, cool. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, but one thing, like, I left my purse at home, come bring it. Like, go get it and come bring it. Yes. So that's what she does with that. And that's this is where we see the interior of his house, which yes. is like crazy 80s it's so 80s it's like and a lot of like curved walls um a spiral staircase yeah, um, oh my god spiral staircases were like such a thing I feel like yes but what what are what are those types of windows called yeah like, I don't know the if, little boxy yeah where it's like glass windows where the glass obscures what's inside um, yeah, it's like what you would normally, what, what normal people might have in a bathroom, but they're, it's everywhere in his Yeah, house. or like what you often, like in old tiny bars, the, that was how the windows were done, was oh, those little okay. square glass bits. Um, because it was like, it's, we want to... It's a look. Yeah. It's a look for and a it house. It's like very cold looking. of that era. And yeah. well, and it, so it's all of that stuff happening, plus he's got 
like a neon sculpture in the background <laughs> and like black leather chairs and like everything about his apartment screams like I'm an 80s bachelor man. Like yes. everything about and it. I, but like I have money. So right. like, come on over. Right. So as soon as he has a slight moment of like, oh, but that's my brother's wife. Like, should I uh, maybe not have sex with her? That moment um, isn't quite long enough. It's, it's, it's barely a thought. And then he's like, oh, yeah. well, I'm just an asshole. <laughs> like, she called me. Not my fault. <laughs> so he rushes off. Then we get to the climax of the movie where we're back in the office building and Steve rushes in and explains to his assistant, um, I figured out what made our transmission so powerful, I guess, two nights ago. Um, so I need a conductor to add to the Klystron to make the short circuit. Happily, the assistant has like the perfect thing like around his wrist. And he's like, here, take this. Um, as they're setting everything up, Ron arrives um with bag in tow um and then we basically get a repeat of the opening of the movie where like everyone is shouting um everything is happening simultaneously it's not clear to me that anyone is actually hearing what anyone else is saying or doing anything of any import yeah um but what they are able to do is they successfully send the signal to celeste's planet and they're like, yay, everything's fixed. Um, and then Celeste turns to Ron, who is still holding bag, and is like, you've got to get rid of that thing. And he's like, what are you talking about? Um, and then I think this is when, like, bag's head slash eyeball, like, jumps out so that everyone <laughs> sees what's going on. Um, and Steve takes her and throws her into the Klystron, which is like this big ball of like electricity at that time from this experiment. And then she like gets real big at first, like it's just a big, massive, veiny eyeball <laughs> um, so that then explodes, I want to say. Um, Something like that. And so we're in the final bit now where... They're out in the parking lot of the office building and the council appears and they're like, well, gravity is fixed, but why is an earth blown up? <laughs> what happens there? And Celeste says to them, like, I couldn't do it. Earth has value. Um, and let me try and show you the value. Um, and the way that, for some reason, the way that they decide to do this is that uh, Steve and Celeste are going to do the Jimmy Durante bit that... So weird. <laughs> it's such a stupid choice because they do this Jimmy Durante bit of like, I don't know the song, but it's like, if you ever want to da-da, but then you want to stay, da 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 It's like very, it's, it's like, it's like very Jimmy Durante and they do like the ha-cha-cha-cha-cha yeah. thing. And like... Yeah. And... My favorite part. So they go through this thing. It's probably like a minute or up to two of them doing this bit. And the head council man's reaction is kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and I concur. I, if someone did that 
and was like, this is why we should still be like a planet. And it's like, um, I'd be like, oh, please get it. Like, no, yeah. no, no, no. That was, as you see in my outline, that was my biggest laugh in the whole movie was when he was like, kill them. <laughs> I just, I like, oh, it was so well done. Um, so they're like, no, no, no. But it, as this is like devolving, uh, the council leader sneezes. Not sure how, since he's not physically there. Um, and he kind of finds that he likes the sensation of that. Um, and Celeste is like, yeah, see, that's the kind of stuff that's cool about this planet. And he's like, uh, and she's like, wait, wait, you can like share my experiences. So I'm going to show you like the past, I guess, 48 hours that I've been on this planet. And so we see a little montage of what she's experienced there. Um, mm -hmm. And his response after this is another pretty good one, um, which is he decides that Earth is too weird to destroy. Um, Fair. Yep, that sounds about <laughs> right. And so then he's like, okay, well, we clearly, like, need to do more research on this planet and, like, have more information about it than what we have. So you need to come home and tell us all, like, really, we'll go deep into these experiences you've had. And she's like, no, no, I am married to this man now. <laughs> so, uh, can't do that. Uh, but Ron can go because, and this, she is actually correct about this. Ron actually knows about Earth. <laughs> True. So he, it's decided amongst them all that Ron will go to this other planet to tell them about Earth. And everyone's like, well, how's he going to get there? And she's like, you can come, you can go in the ship that was coming for me. And then the ship arrives. And what is it full of? It's like all hot women. Yes. Um, the crew that has come to fly the ship is a bunch of hot woman, women who look like Princess Stephanie of Monaco, who is Ron's <laughs> dream woman. Um, now, to be clear, the actual Princess Stephanie did not appear in this film. Uh, I was going to say, I have no clue what she looks like. I so Googled I like, her. I, that's like I Googled her, and she she's still very attractive, but now I think she's like in her 60s or something. Well, right. Um, I mean. But, like, at the time, like, when you look at older stuff of her from this era, she was really beautiful, just like these women, like, thick, dark hair, green eyes, like, kind of tan. She's, I mean, she's the daughter okay. of Grace Kelly. So. Oh, okay, okay. You know. Um, and their outfits were even pretty dope as well. Do you remember them? No, I don't. So they were this flight crew. So they, like, the outfits were clearly inspired by, like, sexy stewardess vision. Um, <laughs> because they were, like, super short skirts. It was, like, sexy stewardess mixed with, what's that video from the 80s where it's, like, the models pretending to play guitar in the background? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, God, no, I don't. Uh, hold on. I need to Google this because... It's going to bother me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Robert Palmer's Addicted to Love. Oh. If you've not seen that music video, you definitely 
should. It's like very uh, like iconic. I hate using that word, but that's what it is. Um, and so it's like these models in like black mini dresses, um, all made up and beautiful, pretending to play guitar in the background. Um, and in the eighties, it was like all the rage in terms of like the look and the song and the whatever. Mm. So like the yeah. look of these women to me is very akin to that. So, cause they're in these, like, I don't know if they're dresses per se, but maybe they are, but they're navy blue, super duper big V cut almost down to the navel, mm-hmm. um, with like, so like there's like a white bit that looks like maybe there's a blouse underneath and then a blue the rest is blue so it's like as if there's a blouse under a jacket but it's a mini dress thing um I was like that's actually hot like that's a hot look that still is hot (laughs) and is not dated from this era quite as much as some of the other stuff that we've seen Mm -hmm. um but so immediately he's like oh I'll definitely go (laughs) like I was gonna go but now I'm definitely going um so the final bit of the movie, everything's been resolved. We're back at Steve's home. Celeste and Jesse are playing basketball, and we are into outfit number 13 for Kim Basinger. This is another just very basic, like, Laura Ashley-looking thing, if I remember yeah. correctly. Um, and Jesse is like, so now that, like, everything's done, you don't have any powers anymore, right? And she's like, no, I don't. But what's she able to do? Suppose she's able to make her dunk and float up to the basket. And that's the end of the movie, although we do get a pretty hilarious uh, post credit scene where Ron, a.k.a. I might not have watched this. John Lovett. It comes on very quickly after. Um, oh, I don't think I was paying attention. Ron slash John Lovitz is like playing a white grand piano with all the ladies from the ship around him. And I was like, okay, cool. And that is end of film. End of my stepmother is an alien. Um, Which is like, wow, wow, what a ride. What a journey we've taken to get here. Um, So yeah, okay. Yawns and eye rolls. Um, Yawns. One yawn is, I was glued to my seat from beginning to end Loved it. Um, and Ten Yawns is like, really, no. Just no. <laughs> I think I would say, like, two. I don't, mm. like, it was, I was, I was engaged. I wasn't bored. But, you know, like me with attention <laughs> problems, there's times my eyes might have strayed away. Mm. Um, but, yeah, two. It was, it was not boring. Yeah. I, like I said at the beginning, this was a real, like, for all its stupidity, it was not a tough watch. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess maybe I'll say two as well, because there's always room for some improvement. Um, <laughs> in terms of eye rolls, and this is where we might get into the real troubles, um, <laughs> one eye roll is, like, why have you even come to the movies if you're going to be so literal? That's one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and ten eye rolls is, like, I know I'm at a movie, but, like, even suspension of disbelief, is this is too far. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, 
Well, I feel like the backbone of sci-fi as a genre is the sci, even though the fi is part of it. But, and I'm no scientist, (laughs) but I felt the science in this movie was weak. Yes, Um, correct. And the, the, like, how aliens work is, like, very questionable to me. Um, So I would... I think I roll, I might <laughs> say like seven or eight. It's, I mean, again, not to say I didn't enjoy it, but it was like pretty out there. Yeah, agreed. I think I might go, I mean, it's tough because on the one hand, I feel like a lot of the jokes and the th- the tropes were pretty well-worn even in 1988. Um, yeah. And yet, they do seem pretty outlandish all the same. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll go eight on this one for that reason. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, final questions. Did you like this and would you recommend it? Uh, yeah, I liked it. Um, would I recommend it? Sure. <laughs> I don't, like, I wouldn't be, like, because it's so silly. Like, it's just, like, the... So, so even for someone who's like not into the whole science fiction, it doesn't feel very sciencey because the science is garbage, and so like it's earthbound, which I like, all of that stuff. So yeah, I think I would. I'd be like, you know, it's a little crazy. Like if you're okay with crazy, if you're okay with like some nonsensical stuff. But yeah, I think overall, I would, I would recommend it. Okay, I mean. I think I would recommend it, but I'm not sure I feel comfortable saying I liked it, if that makes sense. Like, fair enough. Um, I do think that there are. I'm, like, let me be clear. I'm not going to, like, watch it again. Right. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, because I definitely watched this movie. But I'm not, like, actively mad at you, like I ah, am sometimes. That's, that's nice. Thanks. <laughs> Little heart feelings. Um,. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, I'll say this. I know for a fact I watched this movie multiple times as a child. Did you really? Yes. And then, Hmm. let's say around 16, 17, I never saw it again until this week. And Hmm. while often a revisit to something from childhood can either go great or go terribly... I kind of was, like, indifferent to it. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, yeah I, I remember these scenes. These made an impression on me. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So it is funny and fun to watch, but I, and so I would say I recommend it, but I don't, I don't think I can say I liked it. I'll say that. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's fair. Well, overall, I'm sure glad you're not wishing for my death right now, Amy. <laughs> I never said I wish for your death, but sometimes I am, like, annoyed that I watched what I watched. (laughs) Well, uh, phew, dodged a bullet this week. So thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been uh, Sarah and Amy, and we will see you next week in space. Ooh.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.